Welcome back to Brojo Online. Look, underneath most people's confidence issues and poor behaviours or unhelpful behaviours, there's a need or a neediness for control and order. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So this one is for the control freaks. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence and integrity. So what does it mean to be a control freak? What does it mean to have neediness for control? I first saw it in myself when I was exploring nice guy syndrome and people pleasing. I first realized that I had this thing and uh, I wasn't sure why. It never seemed to bring me any great joy. It brought me a lot of suffering. And it was often sort of counterproductive. All the strategies I was using didn't seem to get me what I wanted. Being nice to people didn't really make them like me or didn't bring me deep connections or a great dating or sex life. It didn't really help with my career. Lots of things I was doing just didn't really help. So I thought, well, there must be some reason I'm doing them. There must be some logic to this very unhelpful behavior that I insist on doing. What is it? Until one day, I can't remember how it hit me, the word control came into my head. And when I took that word and I started looking at everything that I did and why I did it, the theme was clear. It was all about control. Order. Smoothness. Problem-free. All these things were so apparent in my behavior. It was so clear that it wasn't that I was trying to achieve the goals I thought I had, like get a girlfriend or get a good health or do well with money, They were the goals I thought I was achieving or trying to, but what I was really trying to do was get and maintain control of everything, everywhere, all the time. And so sometimes when my behavior seemed counterproductive to my goals, it actually made sense in terms of being in control. So for example, when I'd sabotaged myself with a girl, and I thought, well, I thought I wanted a girlfriend, why am I sabotaging these opportunities? I'd see that actually I was scared of the uncontrollable nature of having a girlfriend, the wild chaos of trying to get close and intimate with someone. So I was actually controlling that. I was preventing it from happening, which is a form of control. So suddenly all the crazy behavior I did that didn't make any sense to me made perfect sense when I looked at it in terms of trying to remain in control, particularly when you define control as Preventing bad outcomes or uncomfortable outcomes, ensuring good outcomes, and defending against the unknown. That last point in particular. Control is about keeping things known and familiar as much as possible. That last point is the most important to defend against the unknown. Ultimately, the need for control comes from a fear of the unknown. The unknown being the uncontrollable. So you're trying to create a life that's problem-free, it's smooth, it's easy, it's predictable, it's mostly known. Something that makes sense to you. It's amazing we can even have a miserable life, but it's under control because it makes sense to us. When I used to work with people who are in abusive relationships, I'd always ask myself, why do they stay? makes no sense. Why would you continue with a shitty relationship where you're treated like shit? Because they knew it. They understood it. It made sense to them. 
if you think of yourself as a loser and you think all relationships are a conflicting mess, then being in a conflicting mess where you're treated like a loser makes sense to you. And you'd rather have that than have someone love you and be giving and kind because that would be wild and unpredictable to you. It wouldn't make any sense. We are, in general, quite terrified of the unknown. Wildness, unpredictability, newness, confusion, naivety, having to solve in-the-moment problems without preparation, waiting on outcomes. We find this very uncomfortable. And being a control freak, or being controlling, is our coping mechanism for this fear. Now, if you're trying to figure out whether or not you're a control freak, I've made this huge list of potential symptoms. Not all of them will apply to you. Some will, some won't. I want you to listen through and think, is that me? Because these are just some of the many, many behaviours and patterns and rituals that I see in people who have that need for control, coming from the fear of the unknown. These are in no particular order. Over-explaining. Justifying, defending, oversharing, talking things to death, being unable to clearly finish a story, feeling the need to talk when there's silence. Over-explaining is about trying to have the whole conversation by yourself so the other person can't intervene and do something unpredictable. You're trying to go beginning, middle, and end without the other person even being involved, without any chance that they could be confused or upset or misunderstand you in any way. You're trying to control their part of the conversation. Managing people's emotions. There's lots and lots of ways that we do this, trying to cheer them up when they're down by making them laugh, trying to calm them down when they're angry, trying to solve their problems for them when they're confused, trying to justify what happened when they're disgusted, so on and so on. We're constantly trying to manage other people's emotions. It's very rare and very confident for a person to just let someone feel something uncomfortable. We're always trying to fix it, aren't we? Withholding the truth or being dishonest in any way is always about control. Always. There is no good reason to lie in terms of morality. The only reason you lie is to control somebody else. You deprive them of information so that you might manipulate their behavior. That is the one and only reason somebody could withhold important truths or deliberately be dishonest. So when you hide information... When you speak information that you know to be untrue, you are trying to control somebody. Avoidance of newness. If you're somebody who keeps things the same, who doesn't like trying new foods or doing new activities or meeting new people or going to new countries. If you're somebody who tries to live out the same old routine and pattern and stick with the same range of options you've always stuck with. If you find it uncomfortable rather than exciting to try something new. Overthinking. That's a big one, isn't it? Trying to use your brain to solve problems that haven't happened yet. Or doubting the solution you've come up with and rethinking it. Overthinking is often just rethinking. You had an initial thought that was just fine, and then you challenge it before you express it or act on it. And so you just rethink and rethink. Perfectionism is an obvious one. So if you're always trying to get things done to a certain standard that you've made up inside your mind, often well beyond the standard needed to accomplish the task. That's a form of control. You're trying to prevent any of the wrongness or unsmoothness that can happen with an imperfect performance or activity. Planning and over-preparing for everything. If you're one of those people who can't go on a small trip without packing six big bags, if 
you're one of those people that has to think through every difficult conversation you're going to have well ahead of time. If you're somebody that really relies on a task list and a calendar and wants to have everything ordered and structured all the time, like you're trying to prepare for every possible outcome. This can often be done also by simulating events in your head. Are you the kind of person who practices arguments with people that don't even exist? You're the kind of person who tries to imagine how something's going to go and all the various ways it could go wrong and how you would deal with that. Do you never go into an unusual situation without first simulating a million different ways it might happen in your head? Independence. An inability to cooperate or delegate. Being uncomfortable leaving the fate of your life in somebody else's hands. Being unwilling to share the good, important work, the stuff that matters in case somebody else fucks it up. Being scared of people disappointing you. Taking kind of pride in doing it all yourself, even if that means that you get less done in general in the longer term. You'd rather do it wrong yourself than have someone else help you do it right. This kind of fear that if someone else is involved in a significant way with important work, they will somehow be able to harm you. Keeping the status quo. Are you someone who likes routines and structure and habits and traditions and rituals and feels very uncomfortable when these are broken or taken away from you? Like if someone interrupts your morning routine or there's traffic on the way to work where there isn't usually traffic, do these kind of things bother you? Exceptionally bother you? And as a sort of offshoot of that, being over-reliant on processes like step-by-step processes that you do things, even if it's not the most effective way. Like, is there a certain way you wash the dishes and you don't want anyone to interfere with that? You don't like doing the dishes at someone else's house because you can't do it your way? Or do you over-rely on things like calendars and reminders? You don't want to leave anything to chance. You don't want to trust your memory. You definitely don't want to get it wrong. And just in general, being upset by things going off track or being done wrong. Do you find... It upsetting to watch someone else do something in a way that you think is the wrong way, even if that task has nothing to do with you? Do you feel this urge to give advice to even complete strangers because they're doing it wrong? Do you feel like frustrated watching someone trying to do it their way, thinking that's the wrong way, and just wanting to take over and do it the right way, even if it doesn't matter how it gets done? Are you the kind of person to give unsolicited advice, to try and help people even though they haven't asked? Do you take pride in this? Do you think of yourself as a helpful person, even though when you reflect back, you'll realize most people aren't asking for your help, you just kind of force it on them. You assume they need it, you judge people as needing your help, and that your help is actually a form of control as to make sure it's done your way. Even if it's got nothing to do with you, it has to be done your way. Do you have a rebellious to authority nature? Do you find you react poorly to being told what to do? Are you the kind of person that reacts by doing something bitter and spiteful when you're told what to do? Like when I used to be smoking cigarettes, if someone told me to quit, even if I was about to quit myself, I'd keep smoking just to show them that they didn't control me. Do you hate being told what to do, and yet other times, seemingly contradictory? You love being told what to do. You love road rules and following them to the letter, perhaps. Or doing things the right way at work that everyone's supposed to do them. So there's certain things you love being told what to do and other things you really rebel against. I guess it all comes down to whether or not you think it contributes to feeling in control. All forms of people-pleasing are forms of control. 
there's anything you do where you sacrifice your quality of life to improve the quality of life of others so that they will think positively about you, that is controlling. Do you stay extra hours at work that you're not paid for? Do you struggle to say no to people? Do you feel very uncomfortable when someone around you is anything other than happy? Do you feel the need to fix that emotional state? Do you feel the need to constantly hover over and watch people, make sure everything's okay for them, and fix it when it's not? That's a need for control. Do you carefully create your reputation? Are you very concerned about how you're seen and how you're known to make sure that people see you as a certain thing and understand who you are? Even if it's not real, you want them to see a certain version of yourself. You're very upset when your reputation gets damaged by something that you didn't do. A misunderstanding, perhaps. False information. False accusation. You feel it's very unfair for somebody else to be able to damage your reputation. And this bothers you considerably. Hypervigilance, especially in big social settings. Do you find your radar goes on and you're very, very carefully scanning to see how everyone feels, what's going on, you're looking at all the threats. Different to when you're at home alone just chilling out. You can feel that difference. The more newness around you, like unfamiliar people or being in a situation you haven't been in before, the more hypervigilant you become, a kind of anxiety where you're constantly on the lookout for anything potentially going wrong or just on the lookout in general. As if enemies could be anywhere and you need to be constantly on your guard. This might make you actually quite good at reading people. You're constantly scanning faces and body language. Sort of subconsciously just checking out the risks. Making sure that if anything comes up, like someone starts to look like they might be offended, you quickly jump in and prevent that from going too far off track. This might even lead you to be quite deliberately manipulative. I know I was for a very long time. And sometimes I still slip. I have a way of speaking in a kind of convincing manner. And I know that I can maneuver people. I can speak in a certain way where they'll feel compelled to do things my way. And they'll even think that that was their own idea. I have to watch myself for that because even to this day I can slip into it sometimes. But you might find that you like to intimidate people into doing what you want. Or you guilt trip them. Or you use the passive aggressive techniques to maneuver people around. Or you outright try to convince them. Maybe you're a salesperson and you won't take no for an answer. All these things where you won't let someone else decide for themselves. You want to have a big hand in that decision-making process. And if possible, you want to make the decision for them, if you can. Do you have an avoidance of being direct? Do you try to minimize the risk of rejection and embarrassment and ostracism? When you ask for things, do you just go for it? Or do you kind of work it in the best possible way to get a yes or at least... If there's a no, it won't be attributed to you. You won't get directly rejected yourself. You're one of those contrarian people. You've always got to disagree with everything. You get even get to the point where you contradict yourself. I've known a few like this. I get to see it in my work. There'll be somebody who'll disagree with something I've said in a YouTube video. And a few months later, they disagree with something else I've said, even though I've contradicted myself. So they've now disagreed with two opposing points of view, which means they have no point of view. They just disagree with things as a principle. Are you one of those? Are you one of those yeah, but people? You just feel like every time someone else puts an idea forward, you have to somehow win. 
you're a story beater, you're someone who's got to tell the funnier joke, maybe. That contrarian attitude. Do you feel drawn to echo chambers? For example, if you're into politics, do you say, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican? And you never sort of budge from that point of view, no matter who's running for office. Are you tribalistic? Do you feel this great need to belong to something and have a label? To be able to say, I'm a Christian, or I'm a vegan, or I'm an atheist, or I'm a New Zealander. And you like to fight for that tribe. You see everybody outside as the enemy. Well, this is part of being controlling, because you're trying to create order. You're trying to make sense of things. Instead of seeing the truth, which is that everybody's a unique individual and there is really no such thing as an objective group where everyone's the same, for you to try and create that means you're trying to enforce order, trying to control. Or are you into conspiracy theories? That's a big one. See, conspiracy theories all have one theme in common. Control. Order. A lot of people like to complain about the conspiracy, you know. The reptile people are running our lives, or the feminists are taking over. But the fact is, they take solace in knowing that there is some sort of order, some sort of structure. There's somebody in charge, at least. It's much more comforting to believe that than to believe the truth, which is that everything is chaos and nobody's running the show. It's far more terrifying for people who want to control. The list goes on and on and on. I could sit here all day listing the characteristics of the neediness for control. And if you watch out for it, you'll see it in others. And you can even start to come up with some of your own. Ask yourself, what are the things I do just to control everything? Just to stay on top of things. Just to make sure that things are known. That I get the outcomes I want. That I prevent the outcomes I don't want. That I manage other people and their behavior so that they're predictable. I don't have to deal with unknown and new. The theme is there, preventing the unknown, forcing outcomes, managing other people. Anything you do with those intentions in mind means you have a neediness for control. And as I've probably kind of insinuated throughout this, no, I do not think that neediness is healthy or helpful. Now, why do we have this? Why do we have this neediness for control? comes down to two simple problems. One, you don't trust yourself. And two, you refuse to accept the truth that life does not make sense. Take a moment to register that. Two problems. One, you don't trust yourself. Specifically, you don't trust yourself to handle the unknown. And two, do not want to accept the truth. That life, the universe, everything does not actually make sense and does not follow an order that we understand. Now, it seems like an external problem. You might not think of this as me not trusting myself or me refusing to accept the true nature of the universe. You think, no, it's a problem that can be solved. There's a world out there, there's people out there. A lot of them are disordered, but they can be ordered. They can be put into a predictable structure and it can make sense. And then I will feel safe in knowing. Because you've seen moments where that seemed to happen. You seemed to control things. You seemed to do something that got you the outcome you want. You seemed to predict and prevent a problem from happening. You seemed to manage other people with your manipulations. So you get the sense like, if I could just do that all the time, 
then everything would be under my control all the time. Without realising that, A, you probably just got lucky, or B, you weren't really in control. The real issue I really want to emphasise is you're afraid that you won't be able to handle disorder. That if things go wrong and they don't follow the code or the plan and they don't make sense and they're out of your league and out of your skill set, that somehow that will be painful for you. You're threatened by it. It's you that you see as the problem. Put it this way, if you knew that you could handle anything at any time, you wouldn't feel this need for control. Think of these examples, playing nice to prevent confrontation. Why are you trying to prevent confrontation? Because confrontation's bad? No. Because you won't handle it. You think, oh, I'll get too emotional and choke up and embarrass myself, or it'll escalate and somebody will hate me or hit me or something like that. So you play nice, that's the controlling behavior, to prevent confrontation, which is the disorder that you don't think you can handle. Planning. Why do we plan things? What's the point? To make the outcomes go well. Well, why do we want that to happen? Specifically, we want to prevent spontaneous problems from occurring. We want to go into an event with it already mapped out and predetermined, with nothing new or unusual or painful happening. Or even if something painful happens, it's at least something that we're prepared for. We don't want unusual pain to happen. We don't want uncommon or unknown pain to happen. So when you plan, what you're really trying to do is control the future. Because you're afraid you can't handle the future if it contains something that hasn't happened before, something that you're not familiar with. Tribalism, trying to belong to a group and be loyal to that group and fight the outsiders of that group. Why do you do that? What's the point? Are you standing up for some great cause? Or is the truth more about control? You want to prevent individual anarchy. You want to overlook the truth that every human being is a unique individual and nobody fits into a category at all. We make up these categories and we force people into them. We say, hey, if that person doesn't eat meat and I don't eat meat, then we're both vegans and let's just force ourselves into that. Rather than observing the truth, which is we have so many different personality traits and quirks and beliefs and ideas that we can't possibly identify as being in the same group other than the group of human beings. But there's something very anarchic, I think is the word. There's something very chaotic about that. We'd rather be groups than individuals. So we control for it. People-pleasing. People-pleasing really has one main purpose. Prevent chaotic emotions. People-pleasing is ultimately an emotional control process. You want everyone to feel a certain way so that you can feel a certain way. And that certain way is a very small range of emotion. Happy, calm. Something along those lines. Other emotions, anger, confusion, disgust and offense, grief, regret. We we don't like these emotions. Ugh, uncomfortable. So we prevent them. We try to control for them. Why? Because we don't think we can handle them. We can't handle other people feeling that way. We can't handle ourselves feeling that way. So we try to stop the feelings from occurring. We apologize to prevent violence because we can't handle getting our ass kicked or we can't handle being in a fight. We're independent to prevent betrayal and disappointment because we don't think we'll handle someone letting us down. I want you to just realize if you could handle all these issues, 
you wouldn't feel the need to control for them. You wouldn't feel the need to try and prevent them, predict them, plan for them. You wouldn't feel the need to go for any one particular outcome. Because if you can equally handle all outcomes, if you can handle being poor as well as you can handle being rich, if you can handle being hated as well as you can handle being loved, if you can handle being disabled as well as you can handle being athletic, then you won't need to control for either one. If either one can be a quality of life for you, then there's no need for control. But it's because you think there's certain outcomes you can't handle that you try to control for them. And here is the secret. You can handle them. Fact is, you've been handling them all your life. If you're alive right now to listen to me speak, you've been handling a whole lot of unknown since the moment you were born. You were born only knowing how to suckle and grasp and cry, and everything else was unknown to you. And now look at you. Driving cars and tying your shoelaces and talking to people and eating with a knife and fork. You learned all of that from a place of the unknown. And you have had almost every single situation in your life not go to plan exactly. No matter how well you predict or try to control for something, there's always some element of it that wasn't quite on the schedule. And often, plenty of things went completely off track. And yet here you are, alive and kicking. Maybe anxious, maybe traumatized, but surviving. So you tell yourself the story deep down in your subconscious, I can't handle the unknown, I can't handle things going wrong. The truth is, the evidence is compelling, you've been handling that pretty well your entire life. It's an illusion that you can't handle. Because the fact is, even when you try to prevent and control for it, things still go wrong. Things still don't go to plan. You still are exposed to unknowns every single day. And yet here you are. The problem is a feedback loop. Jordan Peterson in his book, uh, 12 Rules for Whatever, one of the bits that I really liked about that book is he talked about the problem with agoraphobia. Now agoraphobia is a fear of open spaces, uh, commonly interpreted as a fear of being outside of your house. So people who are agoraphobic tend to stay in their house and they can't leave. Truth is, they're actually afraid at home as well, but they're just not as afraid as they are anywhere else. Now, agoraphobics get stuck in this feedback loop. Whenever they try to go outside, they get scared, they start to get anxious, and then they run back home. And what this does, this weird thing in the brain, is it confirms evidence of a threat. If I'm trying to go to the shopping mall and halfway there I have a panic attack, turn around and go home, my brain will interpret that as proof that the mall is a dangerous place to go. Just running away from things acts as evidence that they're dangerous, even when they're not. Even when rationally you know they're not. Emotionally, your brain is just concentrated on your behavior. Your brain watches you act and makes conclusions based on those actions. If I'm at a party and I feel really insecure socially and so I leave the party, my brain will go, huh, I guess parties are bad. Because I left, not because anything bad actually happened, but because I felt uncomfortable and left. Now the reason I bring up this example from Peterson's book is because control freakness follows the same problem. Every time you try to control for a threat, you confirm it. Your attempts to control are what create the fear of the unknown. Because you're treating the unknown as a threat, and so your brain, in its 
kind of fucked up wisdom confirms the threat. If I say, look, I need to prepare for that job interview, your brain goes, well, I guess job interviews are dangerous then. Even though they're not. You're more likely to die in a bicycle than in a job interview. You're more likely to be eaten alive by a cow than die in a job interview. But you control for it as if it's life-threatening. You prepare for it as if something bad's almost definitely going to happen. And yet the worst thing that will happen is that you don't get the job, in which case you're back to where you were before. In other words, nothing happened. Your attempts to control make you afraid of being out of control. You are creating your own fear. It's like smoking a cigarette to get rid of the need for a cigarette. It creates a temporary relief, a temporary sense of control, but it creates a greater addiction. The reason you wanted a cigarette in the first place was because of the previous one you had. So you're actually feeding the addiction rather than satisfying it. And it's the same with controlling. For every every time you try to control something, you're creating a greater need for a control, not a lesser need. You're not becoming more satisfied. You can see this with the great leaders of the world sometimes. You know, Think of Alexander the Great who tried to take over the whole world. No amount of control was satisfying for him. He had to go and conquer one more city. Every time, didn't he? He never got enough control. Right? And you'll see this with really ambitious people. No matter how much dominance they have, they still want more dominance. The hunger never goes away. Why? Because their attempts to control is what created the hunger in the first place. You'll never want a cigarette if you never have one. And you'll never be scared of being out of control if you never try to be in control. I know that sounds very counterintuitive. I know that sounds wrong. But hey, what you're doing so far hasn't worked for you, has it? So maybe you need to try some wrong. Maybe the answer to being in control is not try to be in control. Maybe the answer is let go of control. See, confident people have been exposed. That's the difference. They have been exposed to unknown chaos and have survived many, many times. And this has created evidence. They see that they can handle the unknown. They've seen it so often that they trust in it. They go, you know what? I've been through so many random fucking situations and I got through all of them. Some I got through well, some I didn't. But either way, I got through. So the next one is just going to go like that. I'm going to get through it, either well or not. And I'm going to get through the next one after that, and the next one after that, because look, I've been alive for 30 years now. Every unknown situation I've been through, here I am. I got through it. That's the most likely outcome, is I'll get through it. The only other outcome is that I'll die. In which case, I won't even know that there is any pain. So I can't lose. I'll either get through it, or nothing. It's a truth, really. Confidence is just a kind of a wisdom about the truth of the world. The truth is, you don't need to be in control. You'll be fine. You've always been fine. The evidence is compellingly in your favor. If you look over your life, you'll see that there was plenty of chaos, plenty of trauma and drama and things going out of control, and yet here you are, you got through them all. And now you'll say to yourself, well, I got through them because I was trying to control things. I was using all my little strategies. The truth is, you got through them in spite of that. And the only fact that you still feel needy for control is because you're still trying to control. If you let go of trying, the neediness will go away, 
and the truth will remain, which is, you can handle it. You've always handled it, you always will until you die. That's it. So the key to let go of control is really about stopping controlling behaviours. I'm going to go through that list of examples I gave before and give you some options as to what letting go of control would look like in a practical sense. Let's take the first one, over-explaining, like justifying and defending yourself. Letting it go of control would be just making your point clear and simple and then just letting it hang. Let them understand it however they want to understand it. Don't try to make it more understandable for them. Just explain enough to get the original idea out there and then let them react to it, rather than trying to deliver it perfectly. Managing people's emotions. This one's an easy, really easy one. Just let people feel. Right? If someone's upset, you might ask them how they're feeling. In fact, exploring it is a great active thing, like, where's this anger come from? Why are you angry? But don't try to solve it. Let them be angry for the rest of their life if they want. If someone's grieving, you can put your arm around them and support them, but don't try to end the grief. If anything, go into it. Go, what does it feel like? Where do you feel it? Why do you think it's happening? Even encourage them to keep feeling it. That's a big one. And you can do this for yourself. If someone's confused, go, yeah, it's fine. Be confused. Be confused for as long as you need to until the answers come. And if you're confused, go, fine, I guess I don't know the answer. And don't try to find the answer. Just be confused. See how long you can do it. See how bad it really is. Or how bad it isn't. An obvious one when it comes to being dishonest. Be fucking honest. Or at least don't lie. Try to be as honest as possible. That's probably the most straightforward way to let go of control. Most forms of control require some sort of manipulation or deception. Honesty kind of throws control out the window. So just trying to be more honest is a great way to let go of your neediness for control. If you're someone who avoids new things, a great way is just do more new things. Try one new thing a day. You can get like great lists of websites, you know, new interesting things to try. Maybe you just try cook one new meal every day, or maybe you go join a new dance class, or maybe you talk to a new person at work that you haven't talked to. Just throw yourself into new, any chance you can get, but once a day is enough. Try to be a beginner at something every day. Try to go into something where you are the least capable person in that thing. You know, if you're doing, like, I see this all the time in dancing, somebody gets to, like, intermediate level where they're good enough, you know, to dance socially and put on a good show and they just stop there they don't go into advanced because if they went to advanced they'd be the worst person in advanced and they don't want to they like being the big fish in the small pond so instead of trying to like find that hierarchy position where you're the top go find the bottom go be the worst person amongst the best and keep upgrading in that way overthinking real simple one act on your first thought if you notice yourself rethinking You had an initial plan, now you doubt it and you're trying to rewrite it. Go back to that initial plan, act on it, and get a result. Even if it's doing it wrong. It's better to do something wrong than to overthink it. I promise you that. Perfectionism, another one. What you can do is decide what would be good enough. You can actually, before you start a task, you can do a little bit of kind of prediction. This would be perfect and this would be good enough. And then have a clear line where good enough is. For example, if you're trying to write an email to the boss and you're one of those people who deletes and rewrites things over and over to write it perfectly, decide 
what would be enough for the boss to get the idea that I'm trying to send across? Write that first and then go, fuck it, send. Instead of trying to like gloss it up and get it perfect. If you're someone who plans and over-prepares for everything, try doing things completely unprepared, just to show that you don't need it. Go to an event without doing any research into how you're supposed to behave at that event. Like if you go to some little new group, don't try to figure it out beforehand. Just show up and wing it. Right? If you're going on a trip, try just taking your wallet and your phone. Don't even pack clothing. And just see if you can survive it. Or better yet, go a whole weekend without having your phone on you. See, can you drive around without having Google Maps, you know? Just put yourself in situations where you have no preparation, no planning, and you just have to spontaneously wing it. Deliberately do it just to train yourself in being spontaneous. What are a few others? I won't do them all. Breaking routines, that's a big one. I've even tried wiping with my left hand rather than my right, just to see if I could. Try swapping your cutlery around, eating with your knife and fork in a different hand. Try driving an unusual way to work. Try getting up at a different time every morning. Just snap out of your routines and your structures, just to see if you can handle it. It doesn't mean you have to do this forever, but just to prove to yourself, hey, if the routine breaks, I don't die. In fact, I'm pretty much just fine. Stop trying to help people. Make it a rule. You're only allowed to help or give advice if someone explicitly asks for it. Even if you're watching someone just dig their own grave, just do something totally wrong, just watch. Don't even offer to help. Be there to be available if they want to request your help, but never offer. At least for a couple of weeks, just to see what happens. If you're the kind of person who just constantly gives advice and tries to help everyone, Wait for them to come to you. And even when they do come to you, try to encourage them to do it on their own or to do it their own way. For them to be the boss and for you to help them do it their way rather than making them do it yours. It's actually a much nicer way to help, by the way. And it teaches them to fish rather than fishing for them. If you're rebellious to authority, if you react really poorly to people telling you what to do, Play a game where one person can tell you what to do all day long and you have to do everything that they say. Maybe it's your partner to say, look, I'm always resisting you every time you tell me to do something. So this weekend, I'm going to do everything you say the way you do it without a single complaint. Just give in. Be a follower. Be a slave. Just to see if you can handle it. People pleasing. If you're a hardcore people pleaser, spend a week where you prioritize your own needs over everyone else, where you spend most of the week saying no to people and yes to yourself, and just let the world come crashing down, which it won't, because everyone's actually fine without you. Let's try it. Try pleasing yourself, doing what you want to do on your schedule when you want to do it. And anybody else on their needs has to wait. Maybe they just get a no. Stop apologizing. Apologizing is almost always a form of control. It's very rarely a genuine expression of remorse. Most of the time when we feel bad about what we did, we just feel bad that the other person feels bad because now they don't like us as much. The behavior we did we're actually quite fine with. We wouldn't have apologized if it hadn't got such a bad reaction. So I want you to notice that unless you think you did the wrong thing, regardless of other people's behavior, don't apologize. And in fact, just don't apologize. At least for a couple of weeks. Give it a nudge. There's a there's great workaround for this, which is uh, gratitude. 
I got this off the internet somewhere. Instead of apologizing, thank them. Instead of saying, sorry, I'm late, you say, thanks for waiting. So try to show gratitude rather than apology. But either way, let go of that control. Like, if they're upset with you, let them be upset with you. If they're disappointed in you, so be it. They'll get over it. It's not your job to fix that for them. And lastly, being direct. I think the best way to let go of control is to be direct about what you want, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. But particularly about what you want. Make sure that for the next week, nobody has to guess what you really want. There's no subtlety, there's no passive aggressiveness, there's no hints. There's no kind of working around the bush. Just directly say, I want that, I don't want that. I like this, I don't like that. Use those words. I don't like that, I like that. I want this, I don't want that. And don't try to like sugar it up and make it more palatable and and try to make people agree with you before you've even asked. Just throw it out there, let them say no. Collect as many no's as you can. Collecting no's and trying to get rejected is a great way to let go of your neediness for control because you'll see that you can handle all those things. See, the trouble is with the neediness for control is the one thing you're not focused on is what you should be controlling, which is yourself, your actions and your reactions to your feelings. And letting everything else go wild. That's truly being in control is when you manage your own behavior. Control freaks are interesting because they spend so much time trying to manage everything and everyone else that they don't focus on the only thing they've ever had any control over, which is themselves. They don't focus on being disciplined with their behavior. They don't focus on being a person of integrity, being honest, of impressing themselves with their efforts. They focus just on managing everyone else, and they miss out on controlling themselves. Let people get upset. Let the tribe that you don't belong to do stupid things. Let people do things the wrong way. Let things go unpredictably. Let newness into your life. Let yourself be confused. Let other people help you. Let people misunderstand you. Let the plans go off track. Just let it all happen while you focus on managing yourself. And when it happens, when it all goes wrong, just react in the moment. Wait for it to go wrong and then react. Don't plan it. Don't prepare for it. Just wing it. Trust in yourself. Have faith that, hey, if you've survived long enough to get to the point where you're listening to this podcast, then you're pretty fucking good at handling the unknown. Because you were born knowing nothing. Nothing. And yet here you are. Everything you're capable of doing was once a complete mystery to you. So it's a myth that you can't handle some more. You can handle tons of it, buckets of it. The only reason you feel like you can't is because you've been trying to control it. If you stop trying to control it, you won't feel the neediness for control. It won't happen right away, but as evidence builds up, as you see yourself handling the unknown and proving to yourself over and over and over again that you do not need to try and control things, then you'll finally emotionally realize, hey, I'm fine. I can just let shit be. It won't always go well. Of course it won't. You won't always get what you want. But you will survive, you will grow, you will adapt from your learning. And this will build your confidence, which, let's face it, that's what you really want, isn't it? I mean, if you had to choose between everything going well, but you having really low self-esteem, or everything going poorly, but you absolutely loving yourself, I mean, which one would you choose? Because that's what we're talking about here today. If you try to control everything, you might sort of get what you want, but probably still not. And you'll have no faith in yourself, no trust in yourself, you'll hate being you. Or you can let shit just fall to pieces, 
and just focus on managing yourself and doing the right thing. And odds are, not only will you build self-confidence, but you'll actually get a lot of what you want as well, because the world will adjust to you rather than you trying to control the world. Because the truth is, and here's the hard bit, you've never been in control anyway. It's all an illusion. You think you're manipulating people? No. They had pre-made their decision before they even met you. You had the most minor of influences on them. Even if you manipulated someone completely, the fact that they could be manipulated in that way was decided before you. You didn't have a role in that. Now you, you throw a ball and it lands where you wanted it to land. You think, hey, I did that. It's actually, no, your genetics gave you the musculature that made you good at throwing. Your training made you good at throwing. The physics of the universe decides where the ball's going to land. You had very fucking little to do with it. Even your decision earlier on to become someone who can throw a ball, to learn it, was probably somebody else's influence. So instead of trying to control everything, in other words, living in the total fucking fairy fantasy land, focus on the truth, which is the world is chaotic, it doesn't make sense, there isn't an order to the universe that makes sense to humans, or at least not you as an individual, but you can handle it. You can thrive in this environment, this wild, crazy adventure that makes no sense that we call life. You can ride that wave, enjoying yourself along the way. Or you can fight against it and be a miserable fuck your entire life. Constantly anxious, constantly worried, stressed, serious, unable to enjoy things. Choice is yours. You know now, so the rest is up to you. Of course, if you want more help with this, I'm only an email away. Dan at brojo.org. I will try to control you so that you stop trying to control everything. No, I can coach you through this stuff. I can help you let go of control and focus on living with integrity in a way that will make you feel like you're in control even though you're not trying to control anything. It can be done. I've done it myself. Other people have done it. It's possible. But give it a go on your own first. See what happens. And I'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.